everyone and welcome back to another episode of Deets with Dita. I'm your host Nandita and today I have a guest with me two weeks in a row. Who am I? <laughs> and I have Krishna. Hi. <laughs> so for everyone who doesn't know who give us a little bit of background. Um, so I'm Krishna. Uh, Nandita and I have been friends for two years now um, which is pretty awesome and I am, um, I don't know how to introduce myself, actually. <laughs> okay, what, like, what types of films do you uh, like? Because this is a film podcast, uh, so. Um, I'm actually, I don't mind anything, but I'm not usually a big fan of sci-fi. So if you can make me watch something sci-fi related, even if it's just like a one show of a TV series, you've succeeded, I'd say. You know what? That's my because <laughs> I am literally the queen of sci-fi, if anything. And <laughs> I mean, your Star Wars episode has got me like wanting to watch Star Wars. So I, that is, the- <laughs> yeah, I think you might succeed because it's bookmarked on my laptop now. You know what? I feel like this is an absolute. <laughs> <laughs> So today's episode, we're going to be talking about female representation. And I thought, who better to have um, for a female representation episode than another female? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you couldn't see Krishna, but she did a little, a little like cupping of her face, <laughs> and it was very adorable. <laughs> um, so I did want to say something, Krishna. Did you notice? That the intro sounds very different this week. It does. It sounds super awesome. I know. I mean, a lot better than my <laughs> from last time. No, I mean, the intro was good last time, but Kingsley offered um, to do the guest last on last week's episode, offered to do a little revamp of the podcast intro, uh, keeping it like the rough same gist that I had, but just on a bass guitar and a lot cooler. And I am super happy with it. So please give him all the love for um, for doing my intro now for my podcast. I'm super happy about it. It sounds really, really cool. You know what? Again, another win. I feel like this episode, we just won. <laughs> I mean, it's females. Of course we're winning. This week is females and we're winning. And you know what? so today's episode we're going to talk about loads of different things so this is going to be like a jam-packed episode full of full of content because we're we're talking about female representation and we are females and we have opinions (laughs) very strong opinions so yes very (laughs) strong opinions so so Today we're going to be talking about uh, the Bechdel test. So, like, what is it? Um, you know, like what it entails. Like, the films that pass it and don't pass it. Um, just some examples and like basically whether it's still good and still valid. Um, then we're going to talk about a case study, a film case study. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. You have to listen to the episode to find out. Um, then we're going to talk about female reboots because I feel like a big part of female representation in films and in TV are like reboots when you have like original male ensembles to female ensembles now. Um, and then we're going to talk about the problems of uh, some of the presentation of females in films and TV. Uh, and we'll wrap it up with talking about 
one of my favorite things to talk about is how to do representation subtly and this time for females sounds like a solid one so it is a lot it's gonna be a lot so everyone get ready and i hope you enjoy what we have coming up next right so let's talk about the vegetable test so krishna do you want to tell us basically what the vegetable test is and what it entails you know what yeah um so the vegetable test literally is a measure of whether or not a movie has enough female representation in it and you can either pass or fail it's pretty you know binary um and there are two three requirements for it three requirements for it um and the first is that there must be at least two women and these two women must speak to each other at one point but this conversation should not be about a man. Yeah, pretty much. And they also have to be named females as well. So, like, they can't just be side characters who are just, like, chatting in the background. It has to be they are two named characters in the film. Or, yeah, it's, okay. it's mainly for films. Sure, sure, sure. And um, so I decided to do a bit of research, being the maths brain that I am. And... Um, basically, there's on the Bestel Test website, um, they have like a list of films from specific years that um, they have whether the te- whether the films passed or failed the test. And I basically did some digging <laughs> and they don't have specific statistics. So I had to kind of gather from the data, the statistics myself. Oh, so, okay. Out of the 177 films of 2019 that are recorded on the Bechtel Test website, um, 66 failed. I mean, considering, like, that's, like, what? That's less than half. It's less than half that's failed, right? But Mm -hmm. that's still quite a lot, considering it's 2019, like, when when I gathered the data for and 66 films still didn't pass the test. That's a bit crazy. It is kind of wild. And some of the examples really shocked me because I went through, like, while I was doing it, I was like, wait, what? This one didn't pass the special <laughs> test? And, like, um, I, a recent film that I watched, Marriage Story, who has two really strong leads, Scarlett Johansson and... Um, Adam Driver. I can't believe I've got Adam Driver. How can I forget <laughs> Adam Driver? Um, that didn't pass the Bechtel test. And wow. I know, it's crazy. But I feel like the main reason for that one not passing was because um, the it was about a divorce. So obviously all the conversations are going to be centred around a man when, when she's having conversations and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's fair I guess but I was just really surprised by that one and another one I was quite surprised about was like Hobson Shaw you know like the Fast and Furious new film oh yeah 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 Yeah, that one didn't pass the special test either you know what I'm not surprised about that though because you've got Hobson Shaw who are very very like large characters and the whole movie is centered around them so it's very much you know action throw kicks done True, true, but part of me is just like Vanessa Kirby, please. <laughs> like, please. I absolutely love Vanessa Aww. Kirby. She's like amazing, and I just want her in more, more things. 
um but yeah I mean those were a few examples I mean do you have any like that you had a look at um yeah actually the girl with the dragon tattoo Mm. is doesn't pass the bestial test either really yeah and like I've read the book I have seen the movie and I always thought it was so powerful because come on it's super like badass right I agree yeah it is super badass it fails that is crazy oh my god and I have to I have to say just just for everyone like a fail basically means that it doesn't meet one of the criteria at least one of the criteria so it could meet some of the other criteria but if you fail one of them you've pop you've basically failed the vegetable test yeah which i mean it's fair enough given the very basic requirements of the vegetable test yeah this uh, is this is what i wanted to talk about as well because the thought and the concept behind the vegetable test is like is meaningful right it wants to basically address the fact that there are some issues right and there are films that do not give strong information right but it just feels like it's scraping the bottom of the barrel it's like this is the bare like it feels like a bare minimum Mm. to me and like the fact that and that's why i'm so shocked that 66 films out of the 170 177 sorry that were recorded on the website were (laughs) thank you siren for ruining this you know what it's so aware of the fact that this is a problem like it is policing this okay you know it's coming it's coming for all those all those filmmakers who don't pass the exactly there we go (laughs) you know what we'll work (laughs) um but yes it's yeah it just feels like it's a bare minimum and Although, and the fact exactly like that what I was saying was that out of the 70, 177 films, the fact that 66 are not scraping the bottom of the barrel is quite concerning. The fact that like also another film that um, I saw that I found out that was on the um, Bechtel, didn't pass the Bechtel test was Uncut Gems. And I'm just thinking all these films are like critically acclaimed, right? They get nominated for Oscars, right? But they're not, they're not passing the Bechtel test it's so weird like you're right I mean there are some okay some that I understand which are like autobiographic like biographical movies fine but even loads of them are passing the best test so I just don't think it's difficult no 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 and like I do you know what I really like reasonings for why they didn't pass it like why their director or producer or whoever the script writer sits down and just says this is why it doesn't pass the professional test exactly like it's not difficult to work at least one conversation with two female leads about something other than a man like come on it is quite easy I just it's it's a bit crazy mm. So with that being said, we've kind of basically just slated um, a bit, (laughs) like just films in general. Um, But let's think long term. Long term, the Bechdel test, I don't think, can like be sustainable in the sense that like there will come a point where people will realise that they all films have scraped the bottom of the barrel, Mm -hmm. right? And well, I hope, I hope so. (laughs) And we will need something more because 
it's I don't think it's enough that films are just scraping the bottom of the barrel. So what are your thoughts of like maybe a system that could like incorporate like the concept of like a test, Mm -hmm. like criteria it needs to meet? Um, or like even if it's just like themes, right, that like that that need to be addressed, right, in films that would make it, I guess, a better depiction of females. I think one thing that like, you know what? I think the best show test needs to be a foundation. And then you need to add a few more bits and bobs to it. And it's not that like a film has to pass every single bullet point. But the more it does, like the higher the rating. So you have like a spectrum as opposed to a pass or a fail. Um, And like, I think it doesn't have to be a conversation between two female characters. But why can't you have a really powerful conversation between a female and male um, counterpart? But it has no like sexual themes to it. It has nothing about romance or like, anything to do with love it's just a simple conversation like it doesn't matter if they're getting to know each other or if you know they're having some sort of um like I'm thinking let's say action movies where two people are working together to like figure stuff out but you know it doesn't need to have any of your stereotypical quips to it just work out a conversation you know I felt like that deserves a <laughs> That was like a preach and a half. I love that. Um, I have something to add on mm-hmm. to that as well, actually, is the fact that I think males should be held accountable the way that males, like, I'm not saying just in general they should be held accountable because, <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to go down that. I'm just saying the conversations that males have in films about women should be more important and should be in a criteria like this right because if you have two males right basically um slut shaming or like maybe you know just objectifying a woman in a film like that's that's not that's not on i don't like that in itself should be like a red flag and a warning sign for um something like a bestial test or like a spectrum type thing like Oh, you could have like negative points, right? So you could have things that have like affect the film in a negative Ooh. value. So even though you have females, right, that a represent female representation good in a film like of, of a strong female character, if you have like a two male characters talking about that same female character in a derogatory form, m- negative points. I you know what? That's super interesting. I think that's a pretty awesome idea. Look at that. We can change the film industry. Let's do it. One step at a time. <laughs> we can do that. I'm ready for this. Wow. No, I think these are all really interesting ideas. Mm. And, like, I would love to see something like this. Yeah. And, like, we'll get to this later. But, like, just it, why does it need to be so in your face, right? So, like, I'm not. we're not saying pull two females to the very front of the camera and have them talk about some world affairs or like any news just like complete like the whole frame of the film is just them their faces towards <laughs> each other and they're just talking. like that's just the whole show you know what <laughs> it just doesn't need to be that you can weave it in so naturally just don't force it the less you force it i think the more successful it can be in terms of 
you know, they people just they don't need to think how can we get two women in. No, it should be like coming naturally. Oh yeah, it would be nice if she spoke here. It would be interesting if what if he said this to her. Just doesn't see that's and I think that's more of a credit to the filmmaker. Mm. This is like me calling out filmmakers. <laughs> <laughs> but like definitely think that, you know, there there should be I guess accountability on the filmmakers part because they're and writers and stuff like they should be making a more conscious effort to include females in a film that um that is I guess a more accurate depiction of the way they should be presented mm. and it's not like I'm it's not like um I'm not saying like that all females are strong right female it's like a as you said it's kind of like a spectrum females can act however they want yeah. to but it feels like we've just been targeted like females have been targeted in a very overly sexualized way we'll talk about that more a little bit later but I just think there needs to be a change from the filmmakers part I 100% agree with that like definitely yeah I guess guess that's all we have to really say about that I mean we could say tons more but that would like just be endless (laughs) yeah I mean I guess that's the general gist of what we're trying to talk about right now is that like bestial test is is good but it's kind of a baseline and we need more yeah. i guess that's the summary of this yeah. like little segment 100 percent. right so now that we've basically given a kind of an overview of like our opinions about female representation i think the best thing to do now is to dive into a case study as Let's the nerds do it so i asked you to watch a film right because this was okay i watched this film um without like the intention of adding it into this episode but i feel like it's really interesting to add into this episode right and this film is funny girl and it was released in 1968 and it has barbara streisand in it it's based on the musical that was like a hit on broadway um, and it's essentially about Barbara Streisand's character, who, fa- Fanny, that's her name. I completely forgot her name. <laughs> into my head. Um, so and good. she, her journey through trying to make it in like musical theatre and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And like the relationships she makes along the way and like her struggles, and which we'll get onto like in a little bit. And I think it was a really interesting um, film to pick up for female representation because it's a film in 1968 and it addresses some really interesting themes. I definitely agree. Like, I wasn't expecting what I did see in them. Um, mm. it's like, especially for that time. Um, and I think that's like the major point for for its time. I think it was ahead of its time. But then at the same time for today, it's not. I, I personally think it's still not quite there. But I know I, we're going to go into this deeper, but it's still better than so many films out there today, which is like- crazy. Spitting facts, honestly. Like, this is exactly how I feel about the film as well. Um, so I guess the general gist is like uh this is gonna be like spoilers for this film. So like if you haven't seen it, I'm sorry, but you know, watch it. It's on Netflix actually. Um it's it is three and a half hours. So like, you know, if when you have time. Oh, I meant two and a half. Oops. 
Sorry, we're all good. Two, two and a half. Uh, three and a half would be a bit too much. Um, <laughs> no, but it was two and a half hours, and um, it essentially it didn't feel like that for me personally. Like it didn't. It felt like it went very quickly through the narrative, yeah. and it didn't drag at any point. Um, but spoilers warning. Um, she essentially the whole gist was she fell in love with um god what's his name um mr onstein i only remember that because of the song because it goes hey (laughs) mr onstein here i am (laughs) isn't there another song though at the beginning when she actually first meets him like nikki onstein (gasps) yeah (laughs) yeah Oh my god, yeah, okay. I'm gonna call him Mr. Onstein because that's like how okay. it's now like nailed into my brain. <laughs> um, they end up getting like married and they have a relationship, even though he's like kind of like a problematic gambler. Um, and base yeah, that and that's that was his source of income basically, like mm. doing um I guess dodgy. Should we call it dodgy? Um yeah, let's let's just say dodgy for the sake of it. Like dodgy yeah. deals, like to do with oil trade and like just casinos and stuff and it's just like that type of stuff um Mm -hmm. and essentially he got jealous of her right the fact that she got big on broadway was it i I mean sure she got big on broadway and like she was making so much money off of musicals that she became the breadwinner of the family yeah if we want to use the term breadwinner because i feel like it's kind of Ah. A weird outdated term but we're gonna use it on in air quotes um and I think that was one of the most interesting points of the story because he ends up leaving her Mm. because he was so jealous about the fact that he couldn't and he was so irritated about the fact that he couldn't be the breadwinner of the family that he literally just left her Mm. see I've I had a problem with him right from the beginning. I just found him such a dodgy character, like right from the very beginning. I mean, in those times, in those movies, you'd always have like this mysterious male main character, right? Um, but like this one just rubbed differently. I was just like, he doesn't seem genuine, or he seems like he has another agenda. Hmm. Yeah, I just think it he was a very dodgy character, like ultimately. And I think she kind of got blinded by the fact because another theme in this film is that she felt like um she was uncom like she wasn't unconventionally pretty, and I say that in air quotes, mm. right? And like yeah. um that was her struggle because as the title of the film entails, she was just the funny girl. And like she yeah. felt like she, that was all that she could really be because she wasn't conventionally pretty it became her kind of um her safe heaven almost didn't it like as soon as she felt awkwardness or if she felt uncomfortable or just simply anything that's not calm she resorted to humor um which actually I thought was super sweet in the sense that it was it's kind of relatable because as soon as someone like we do just as a human nature as soon as we kind of start feeling uncomfortable we resort to a very safe place and that for her was being funny 
Yeah, I agree with that. That's a nice way to put it. I didn't think about it like that. That's that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, I think the fact that it explored these two themes, so like the theme about like being a female who is successful and gaining money. Um, also, by the way, I, I didn't mention, but the the, the way that she, uh, the, her husband left her because they ended up getting married um, was that he literally went to prison. Like to get away from her, he literally had to go to prison. Like that was his way of leaving her. Mm-mm. Like why? Solidifies. <laughs> no, that solidifies just how. Mm. Yeah, how problematic of a character he was. Mm-hmm. Um, some so just some like um facts about the film. It does pass the Bechdel test. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's good. We stand that. Um, <laughs> and it was nominated for best picture at the Academy Awards in 1969 which is like whoa <laughs> that's Big great whoa. and i wanted to say a few of my favorite quotes from the film because i just i just wanted to it felt like it um, please so the first line of the film is basically barbara streisand looking in the mirror going hello gorgeous <gasps> yes <laughs> oh my god i picked up on that too <laughs> like that is queen behavior <laughs> It is. And do you know what I thought? I don't know if this came to your mind, but I went Snow White. I thought, you know, the um, Queen and that, she goes mirror, mirror on the wall and all that. I thought, you know what? It's this weird juxtaposition where the Queen is asking who's the most um, fairest of them all, whilst she, Barbara Streisand is so confident, like, yes, She's hello, like, gorgeous. Yes. I'm the gorgeous one. Yes, and I love that so much. <laughs> and the thing is, the thing that breaks my heart is the mm-hmm. final lines of the film, right? This, was, this mm-hmm. is what really irritates me. Because if you think about the juxtaposition between the first line and the final line of the film, mm-hmm. it, like, it makes me really sad because it just shows how much his relationship, her relationship with um, Mr. Arnstein kind of became a defining point in her life, like defined her, right? Yeah. And the last line was Mr. Arnstein basically saying goodbye, Fanny. And then she said goodbye, Nick. And the the song My Man starts playing. So that whole song is just the last bit of the film. And like, it makes me so sad that she went from in the beginning of the film being this strong female who literally didn't care about the way anyone perceived her to the point where this man literally broke her down to her bones and like made him, made her think that he didn't want to be with her anymore because he didn't love her, right? And she still like passionately will sing about him as like her man, my man. It's crazy. It is. And like, you know what? That's a recurring theme throughout the movie almost. Because you know when um, he take like after her first performance with the follies he take like he what was it like he waits ages to take her out like he meets her in new york or no not in new york in baltimore i think it was um when she comes off the train and like she is mad at him but at the same time there's this whole idea of you know she's waiting on him she's constantly waiting on him and she's not like that towards anyone else she's Mm. her own person apart from when it's about him Uh, yeah yeah and it's I think that makes the film kind of because I love this film but I think 
if you did like a uno reverse in the sense mm-hmm. that like if you had this relationship at the beginning and then slowly showed her to become more independent and feel more confident with herself I would have enjoyed the film a lot more because the outcome was reversed is that she was a confident girl and then let a man define her life and then she kind of broke down see I kind of disagree with that because I think it I really liked <laughs> I really liked that they did that in the sense that because you know what in modern age it's kind of like when you go through a breakup you kind of build yourself back up this was kind of what well, this was the before math of it like what happens at, to when you break up like what happens that causes you that tipping point that needs you to rebuild yourself so now she's going to have to go onto that journey again of discovering herself again and you know what she might be stronger she might be weaker but we get to see this whole progression of her that's I guess that's an interesting way to put it Mm. we love diverse opinions yeah 100% (laughs) Um, and then the final quote, because we have been talking about Funny Girl for quite a long time. Yes. Um, the final quote I wanted to say, it's quite a long one, but I, re- I just really love it. Go for it. You think beautiful girls are going to stay in style forever? I should say not. Any minute now, they're going to be out. Finished. Then it'll be my turn. <laughs> oh, this woman and the sass is amazing. Like sass levels to 100. It is so brilliant. I love it. And you know what? I feel like this this movie in some places radiates major Disney vibes. Oh my god, yes! Yes, I feel that! Just, there was one bit in the middle where it was like, I haven't suffered enough yet. And she lets out this massive Disney princess style sigh. And I was like, I this is the sass we need. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, um, in Disney princess films, when, um, when like it, you know what it does re- now i'm thinking about it the more i think about it it's like yes disney princess vibes because like yeah. she breaks out into songs to display her emotion and distress but it feels <laughs> like it feels like a very self-aware disney film because mm. like the fact that she said like i haven't suffered enough and she sighs <laughs> like that is a very self-aware disney film <laughs> oh it's so great and like that quote you just said it's got like I thought Vogue like imagine having the Vogue editor just come in and write this okay you know what that would be like a power move (laughs) right it would be so epic oh my god I love that so overall thoughts about funny girl it's an amazing film I think everyone should go and watch it Mm mm-hmm I mean, I'm not even a big fan of musicals. And, like, this was great. This was awesome. It was really good. And I have to say, I'm starting to become more inclined to musicals. And the songs in this film were really good. Like, (laughs) the the main song, Funny Girl, and Don't Rain On My Parade is... Don't Rain On My Parade is, like, a masterpiece. (laughs) (laughs) I need to not, because I will start singing it. And I don't think you can hear me sing. It's so good. We'll hear you sing. Don't you worry. I mean, you already heard me sing in this episode, so I think once is enough. We'll have like a quota. Like we met the quota this episode. We're not going more. We're just generating like a weird version of a bestial test for you now. It's just like <laughs> deets with detail podcast.
pass test, right? <laughs> How many things has she said this episode? Has she said quote controversial opinion? Has she, <laughs> has she started breaking out into song? Has she proclaimed her her absolute admiration for Adam Driver yet? <laughs> also, you have not passed the first one yet, so <laughs> it's coming up. Don't worry, it's coming up. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> So after like the discussion with Funny Girl, I thought let's let's get get into some more um, more films, right? But like in like a more overviewy type way. Mm-hmm. So, and the thing that we're going to talk about is female reboots. Yes. Okay, so the idea behind female reboots, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, but I'm going to explain it anyway. <laughs> um, it's that you have an original cast male ensemble, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you you take the like the concept of the film, literally like the same concept, but you have basically an all female cast. Yep. And we have two examples of them. Um, I think one is stronger than the other for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so let's start. I guess let's start with the weaker one, which I wanted to explain, um, which was Ghostbusters of twenty sixteen. And I think this film is quite infamous, right? People know this film because people wanted to hate on this film. You know? Yeah. Like, I remember when this came out and, like, reading the comment section of the YouTube trailer and, oh, my God, people <laughs> were, like, going off. <laughs> oh, And basically, my overall opinion on this film was it was a mess. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen the film. It was kind of a mess from start to finish. <laughs> the actors and like the actresses that were in this film I think they're absolutely amazing it's just it for me if I see a reboot or if I want to see a reboot I want to see value added right you gotta have like some sort of value added to the previous films you know because you've got male ensembles and like they had like a similar storyline right but you need to have pizzazz you need to have something right yeah and this film didn't have that something for me you know it just it felt very like it could have been good but it just didn't hit the mark and I think one of my the biggest issues right that I had with it is that is with Chris Hemsworth with Chris Hemsworth's role because it's a lot of s's I just got a little bit slippery it's all good (laughs) Um, but yeah, his character, right, mm-hmm. was basically meant, he was a secretary, I believe. I'm, I, I have very vague <laughs> recollection of this film, so I'm going off, like, my memory. It's so if good. I'm wrong, don't cancel <laughs> me, don't come for me. Um, <laughs> but he was, like, I pre- I'm presuming, like, a secretary assistant type character. And they did the exact same thing that you would do to a female, like, secretary character, which is sexualize them and like objectify them which i mean chris hemsworth is a is a good specimen right we we love him and he looks good people know this right Mm. but if you're trying to have like a a female ensemble film right female-led ghostbusters why are you doing now like the reverse as i keep saying you know reverse (laughs) but like doing the reverse which is now like objectifying the men but empowering the women like that's not how it works feminine feminism doesn't mean women better than men it means equal right Mm -hmm. so you're basically giving a bad rep to 
the way we want things to go forward. Yeah, I think I definitely agree, like 100%. Um, yeah, and I just, it just disappointed me, this film overall. Hmm, that's sad. Looks like Ghostbusters, mm. come on. It's such a childhood thing, I right? Know. I know, it has, like, it's such, it was such a popular film, and, like, it's got such a um, reputation, right? Mm. And, like, as Taylor Swift would say, big reputation, <laughs> big reputation. Ooh, you and me, we've got a big reputation. Yeah. That is, like, basically the director talking to the Ghostbusters <laughs> film. Um, and, like, it, it's, it's a big mantle to take upon, and if you fail you've got like a hundred not even a hundred like thousands upon thousands of angry fans that are like this is not my ghostbusters hashtag boycott uh, ghostbusters you know and it's just like it's just it's so big and like i don't know you need to be really careful when you take upon something big as big as i definitely think so like the amount of childhoods and like you know, those little assemblies you would do in primary school and you'd have, who's it going to be? And like, it just, you want it, you want them to keep that image in your head. You don't want to bring its name to shame or like just mm. drag it down a bit, you know? Mm, I get you. Yeah. And like, just to clarify again, I don't think it was the actors and actresses fault. Mm. I believe it was mainly the way it was written yeah is the thing that I have the issue with I mean that makes sense I think there's very little actors and actresses ever do I think that can really Mm. yeah um so let's talk about I guess a more positive one Mm -hmm. um so Ocean's 8 is one of my weird kind of favorites it's like I won't actively seek it out to watch, but I have watched it, I think, five times in the two years it's been out. Um, And I watched it, I think, literally three or four days ago um, to show my dad. And I watched Ocean's 8 before all of the other Oceans. And I think having... what If I'd watched the other Oceans first, I'd understand the gist of this better because it is literally taking what the other Oceans were giving it an all-female cast though it was such it's such a familiar like not familiar it's a very strong female cast like I love every single actress that's in this um and it's literally just the same storyline but I think I still love it because this is the stuff that I really like watching um but I I kind of, when you were speaking about Ghostbusters and the reboots, I think I understand this because they literally pulled an Uno reverse. Um, But like, because the characters, because the women are so powerful, none of them need a man. And I am so here for that because every, you know, even the best female um, characters in big movies, they kind of have a love interest. This is, there is a love interest in this, but there's a very um, weird way of having a love interest, which I really like. I'm not going to spoil it. I think it's really worth watching. Um, but I do think it is slightly kiddy sometimes. Mm. Mm. Um, but I still really like it. But, like, come on, you've got Sandra Bullock, um, who is 
the main star. She is Danny Ocean's sister. Um, but then you've got Anne Hathaway. You've got Mindy Kaling, for goodness sake, who's such an amazing yes! person. Like, she... Come on, she's doing so much great things. Let's reference your your other episode about ethnic representation. Come on. There is... It's... This female cast is ethnically diverse. You've got... Um, re- I know, I... I'm literally looking at the cast right now because I've I've forgotten. Like, yeah, I saw this film, <laughs> but I saw it like a while ago, and I haven't seen it since. Yeah. And oh my god, like what have we got? We've got Sandra Bullock, Kate Blanchett, we've got Anne Hathaway, Rihanna, Sarah Paulson, uh, Mindy Kaling, Aquafina, Hella Bon Carter. What? And <laughs> what? I can't say. I love it, but there's still like little problems with it. And what of the like, you know what? The reason for not having a man in this is actually really well explained by Sandra Bullock. She's like, I don't want to draw attention to ourselves. For once, we want to be invisible. Which, like, I think I mentioned is really weird because women tend to, when you're all dressed to the nines, they bring out a lot of attention. But at the same time, it's so subtle, subtle that it just becomes very um, camouflaged. And I really liked that in some sense. But at the same time, mm. I did have issues at, um, every now and then. Like, Anne Hathaway was really sexualized. That's how it, sh- her sexualized uh, behavior was what the plan relied on, essentially, I think. Mm. Um, which, I mean, she is gorgeous. She is stunning. But, like, come on, you take Princess Diaries where she's so conserved and then you suddenly have this but you know what Anne Hathaway is such a great character and at the end it, it like the twist is amazing and I love it just yeah we love it I'm very I mean I've I think it's worth a watch as well yeah 100 percent. so I guess I guess the final question I wanted to end on uh whilst talking about this mm-hmm. um on the female reboots is I guess what do I want from female reboots and I think the, I think the answer I have is I don't want them to exist. I agree. With and you. I think and I think there is like a valid line of reasoning as to why and it's purely because why do we have to have all female ensemble like uh films after there's already been like this the stemming concept basically of the film is based off an all-male cast. Mm. What I want to see is all-female ensemble casts, right? For a unique film, right? Don't make a reboot. You make a, a all-female cast not rebooted. Like it's literally simple. Like there are there are so many things that are coming out where they're they're changing like male characters to female ones from like previous things and like although that's a good sentiment it's like okay we want to address the fact that like in the past there was a lot of male dominated leads but why not replace that with strong female leads now be creative make a new whole female storyline right like it's it's not that difficult if you sit down with a woman and like let them explain their story to you you know I, I just think filmmakers need to make more of a conscious effort to do this. Yeah. You know what? I think I definitely agree because, like, female reboots I kind of feel like imagine placing 
an elephant between like on a subway or like a tube seat that's like this like really small and kind of squidging itself in and like forcing itself but like knocking people out the way kind of thing it just it doesn't feel very natural it feels forced it feels like you know we don't need this it's you're not doing the world a favor all you're doing is huh let us give you an equal opportunity by just giving you the same thing. Well, sorry, we've seen this concept. Let's see something new. You have literally so many resources at the moment. There is so much out there. Make it your own, for goodness sake. That was a very amazing metaphor. (laughs) I am very impressed with that metaphor. (laughs) That's how I saw it. I just literally see an elephant kind of hitting its bum one way, sending people flying that way, and another one that way, and sending more people off flying. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> it, that's how I feel. Um, you know what? It's valid. I, I feel <laughs> that now too. I will never be able to not envision an elephant now. <laughs> um, Just to give you a little bit of like context, just to wrap this segment up, I just wanted to state like, like a really interesting fact that I found Mm -hmm. so I checked obviously if these films passed the bestial test yeah of course they did right Mm -hmm. interestingly the films that it originated from so like Oceans I think there's Oceans 13 and 12 and 11 yep 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 yep. all of them (laughs) um and then there's a Ghostbusters 1 and 2 Mm -hmm. all of them didn't pass the bestial test I am not surprised at all. <laughs> at all. Like, Oceans is literally an all-male cast. The f- one female that there is, is, guess what? The love interest. And she has yeah. very limited screen time. But I think when those movies were made, both Ghostbusters and Oceans series, were kind of very much targeted at a very specific audience. Um, and like I am literally imagining a cousin right now and I remember him saying I've downloaded Oceans 11 or something and I remember thinking you know what I this is who it's targeted at (laughs) and like I hate that but (laughs) I'm not surprised no I feel that yeah I do I do agree with that yeah I guess overall female reboots kind of just need to not exist yeah I just irrelevant and give more unique storylines definitely so now that female reboots are out of the way we're done we finished with the conversation on that let's talk about general female representation and the problems with the way they're presented um Mm -hmm. I guess the main there are so many problems with the way that females are presented in films but we're gonna target like one specific thing um, which is yeah. the over-sexualization of them. And we mentioned this a little bit before. And um, I have, like, two examples. Um, and I believe you have a few as well? Mm-hmm, yes. Okay, so why don't you go first? Um, okay, so my very first one is kind of a positive and a negative, right? It's Lara Croft. Um, interesting fact, Lara Croft Tomb Raider does not pass the best old test which one uh tomb raider mm, um is that the one with angelina jolie or the newest one? Oh, you're asking 
Oh dear, hold on, let me have a check. Because I think... <laughs> Interlude while we Google things. <laughs> no, I had it up. Um, yeah, Angelina, no, yep. Yep, Angelina Jolie. Right. The okay. Angelina Jolie one does not pass the Bechdel test. Interesting. Um, and it's really weird because it's one of the first examples you see of a woman kind of having her own Indiana Jones kind of movie, right? And it just doesn't pass the Bechdel test. But, so I googled some images of Lara Croft. Um, because oh when we think... That was your first mistake. <laughs> it kind of was. Because when we think action movies and women, you're either going to think pantsuits with heels, or we're going to think, um, what's it called? The sports brand, tiny shorts and trainers, right? Um, and... Lara Croft, I think it is a nice blend, I'm going to say. She's got cargo pants, she's got a tank top, and then strap-ons everywhere else, um, in terms of, like, gun holsters or knife holsters or whatever. And I think that's really nice. Um, The tank top is a bit deep cut, but you know what? It's a tank top. But the video game, the old video game, she, I kid you not, is in this little... It's not a sports bra. It is a very cropped um, tank top that is very, very bust. Like, her boobs are massive. Her waist is literally photoshopped in. And she's got <laughs> big old hips with the tiny little shorts. And I'm like, excuse me. The movie does not represent her like this. Why do you need to? That is, like, it's improved since then. Mm. She's got, like, less muscle it's got it's a bit more kind of no she's got more muscle sorry but less like she had abs in the old one even though her waist was like super slim like it doesn't didn't feel realistic she's got less abs but a really really awesomely toned belly and then she's got her um like she's got a longer tank top right she's got a little bit less midriff and i think that's more realistic but there is this contrast which i really really hated and that is all I'm going to say, otherwise I will go on about it. No, yeah, I think that is completely valid. And, like, although this is a film podcast, I feel like the the video games is such an important thing to uh, recognise because it stemmed mm. off of the video games. Like, yeah. this whole concept of Lara Croft, I believe, did stem off, like, video games. And I think, you know, I guess we are thankful that they didn't, I guess, completely follow the look that they went forth in the video game and these, yeah. like, completely unrealistic proportions. Mm. So I guess that's a positive. And I also, I have the... I, I don't think it's the most recent one because there is a new one that just came out, but the one before the most recent uh, Tomb Raider um, game, it basically... She's completely covered because it's set in like winter time. So like, if I saw her in shorts and a tank top, I'd be quite concerned. But like, she's completely covered. She's got like cool grappling hook and like mm. big fat boots and like. I was just like, this is this is the Lara Croft that I want to see. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think I definitely mm. agree. Yeah. You had a character. I or... did. I had um two films. So. Um, if people follow me on Letterboxd, right? Mm-hmm. Firstly, follow me on Letterboxd because it's basically where if you see any, like, films that... If you're interested in basically what films I'm watching in my spare time other than podcasts, um, definitely the place to go. If you just search underscore Nandita underscore, I will come up. My face will be there. You'll be able to see <laughs> and 
um, I guess, just follow and see what films I've been watching. And one of the th- films I watched recently and I reviewed on Letterboxd was Jurassic Park. Now, uh-huh. I feel ashamed. I hold my hands up and I admit I had never seen the Jurassic Park films, the original ones, but I've seen all the newer ones, right? Controversial scandal, whatever. Um, <laughs> but it's 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 a thing. And um, I was so pleasantly surprised by Jurassic Park. Um, it's like a two hour, it's in between two and two hours and two and a half hours, the film didn't drag again like it felt perfectly seamless um but who i'm going to talk about specifically is the one female who is in the film who is laura dern right now laura dern um i absolutely love her she was in marriage story as well like that was she won an oscar for her supporting role in marriage story like oh she is magnificent (laughs) she is amazing um and i watched this film and firstly like she is a scientist right so the clothes that she is wearing is modest right she wears like safari adventure like sleet like her her like she it's not revealing everything's covered up she's wearing like pants trainers right and like she has short hair so she can't really tie it up but like to me that is exactly the way i would imagine someone who um I guess researches dinosaurs for a living and like is an archaeologist and um does all that jazz right Mm -hmm. then you have the newest one right who has uh, Bryce Dallas Howard as the main female lead I love Bryce Dallas Howard I loved her in Black Mirror I'm like I've seen like she's an amazing actress right and I think this is mainly due to the once again the filmmakers like the way they wrote it and the way they shot the scenes, right? The issue I have is she, there was a, okay, this is a slight spoiler, right? Um, Towards the end of the film, she needs to get the T-Rex out of the pen, right? That it's held in to fight this like um, genetically modified dinosaur, right? Already sounds bizarre, but you know, we'll go with it because it's Jurassic World. Um, And she's running right and they do like a slow motion run pan of her with like a flare in her hand so she's got like a red flare and like her body is glowing by this red and bear in mind she's wearing a low-cut tank top and is she wearing shorts i do not remember god knows it's either shorts or bottoms i'm not sure but that's not the thing i was paying attention uh, uh, paying attention to i think it was shorts though um and she had like a shirt tied around her waist which was something that she randomly just took off during the film and just tied on her waist for no reason um sure whatevs um we'll go with it and she basically is running towards like using the flare to like get the dinosaur and she was gonna throw it on the um on the genetic modified dinosaur she's running in heels now ladies right you cannot sit here and tell me that you enjoy walking in heels like no matter how used to it you are you would rather walk barefoot than walking run run in barefoot than running in heels in the jungle in well i mean it was in like a park right she was like in like because it's in a a theme park like amusement park type thing yeah don't question me on the bizarreness of the story but whatever um <laughs> but she's like running on concrete right in her heels and i'm just thinking 
Shields are good weapons. You could like, they are sharp. Throw it at something. You could use the heels to like crawl up something as like climbing gear, right? But like, why are you running in them? <laughs> it's, it's, it's so annoying. Oh. I just watched that, and it's just they literally slow mo zoom on like her, her her shoes, like her running in heels. And I'm like, what is the purpose? What does this serve to the storyline? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> like, it just really got on my nerves. Like, this one scene in this film really made me like, why? Uh yeah. I mean, men watch out because women can throw heels at you. But yes. <laughs> also, like. I watch these really awesome investigation investigation shows. Mm. These women are wearing boots so that, like, without heels to conceal knives and guns. Or they are wearing heels that have, like, you know the little stiletto heel part? They can detach mm. that and it's a knife. Okay. That is absolutely amazing. That is the epitome of a badass character. Can we have that? Please? Like, they are literally designed to do that. And I think that is what that imagine her turning around, taking her heel off, either producing a knife or just whipping it like a knife at, at someone. At a dinosaur. You know? I mean that wouldn't be very effective, but it does you know what? It didn't have to be a dinosaur. If the guy was annoying her so much, whip it at him, you know. <laughs> just throw it throw a heel at Chris Pratt. Do it, you know. I'm sorry, I love Chris Pratt. But <laughs> <laughs> It would have been so much more entertaining. And yeah. it would have been so interesting to watch, you know? Mm. Yeah, like, 100%. I think <laughs> I, I think you make such valid points. And, like, I just think there needs to be a difference. Yeah, definitely. I think, mm. um, like, you were talking about the whole get-up. And mm. if we think about Katniss Everdeen for a second, Hunger Games, mm. Jennifer Lawrence, can we, like, her outfits... She is gorgeous, A, and B, that whole, it is so conservative, it is so practical. Can we see more of that, please? Exactly. I love that because The Hunger Games, firstly, is a franchise that absolutely, like, it redefined the young young adult, like, genre, mm. right? For film mm-hmm. and for books as well, obviously. Yeah. And her all her suits like when they were fighting in like the actual um arenas were very practical and like not revealing in any way shape or form and like to me that's like yes yes show me more practical outfits for females in action films exactly like she is such a strong character she is not overly like she's not sexualized at all for (sighs) any in terms of outfits it's great. Like, why can't we just have that? Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Ugh. And going on, like, to maybe a more um, a more drastic change example, like, yeah. speaking of Jennifer Lawrence, she was Mystique, right? And superhero, female superheroes have, like, such a bad rep of being, like, having such impractical outfits, right? <sighs> and, like, the first one that comes to mind is Catwoman. And I'm not talking about the Catwoman in, like, I think the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, I'm talking, like, the old Catwoman mm. film, where she's basically wearing a bra and, like, has some straps on her, but her whole, like, tummy's on show. And I feel like she's wearing shorts and, like, long leather boots. And I'm just like, 
if someone came at you with a knife, right, and just dashed at your stomach, oh, like no. you're you're done. You're you're gone for. Like no piece <laughs> of clothing is gonna protect you from that. It is game over. Right, just, just... It really, really irritates me that like that was a thing. And like this is another one, right? Um, and it's a more recent one, and it's Wonder Woman, right? Wonder Woman's character, like her like she is a very strong character, right? And I have like mm. issues with the film, like the like, different issues with the film. Like I wouldn't say the costume is like my first big issue with the film, whatever, right? Yeah. But um and I'm not saying it was a bad film, it was pretty good for female representation, right? But her outfit, and I get that they were needed to start, try and stay true to the comics, but come on, like, her outfit was just a bit, like, she literally wore, like, you know how we have recently, uh, you get, like, these, I think they're called leotards, where, like, you have a top and that, like, it's, um... It has like a a thing where it look, kind of looks like a swimsuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. kind of what her her costume looked like. And like, I get it. She's like, I believe a goddess or whatever, or, or like <laughs> some sort of like awesome just queen behavior, right? You know. Mm-hmm. But I just think, like, you could have covered up a little bit more. Yeah, I think so. And I think that that's just, like, something between books and comics against, what's it called, um, movies, right? It is very much, like, I feel like there's a double standard sometimes in that men aren't necessarily dressed in the same way the comics and things are, but it's used as an excuse sometimes for the women. Mm, yeah. I agree with I, that. I really do. I, I think a good example of uh, a female that, to me, didn't feel over over sexualized in her costume was Captain Marvel, and people can slate Captain Marvel all you want. I absolutely loved it, but um, <laughs> I think her costume was a lot better. Yeah, I think so too. I'd agree with that one. Mm. So I guess what we're trying to say, like general female representation, like issues, the main issue is the sexualization and that yeah. really needs to change we've said that filmmakers need to and film writers need to kind of just be like up in their game and mm. i think we are going to get that but it's going to take time but we are slowly paving away somehow surely but slowly but surely <laughs> uh, yeah i think so i'd agree with that right so i guess the final topic we can just wrap up with um super super quickly is um representation going forward and we already touched this like through all the topics that we've said in today's episode Mm -hmm. how subtle female representation is subtle we're bringing it back kids um and i think the reason why i use the word subtle because as we said before we don't want it in our face we don't want it shoehorned in right we don't want it preached at us because we know that we need representation right we don't want to watch a film where you're telling us that females need more representation and empowerment. Yeah. Been there, done that, we know the story. <laughs> right? So, like, let's think. What would subtle female representation in films entail, ideally? I think, you know what? 
what you're saying, it doesn't need to be in our face. It's not, it doesn't need to be there to appease us, basically. It just needs to be there that we can recognize and go, whoa, what a strong character. Kind of, it can be slightly in the background, say it doesn't need to be like they're the main character. But I've seen enough TV series and movies where, oh my goodness, they're not over, overly sexualized, but they are so perfect in the sense they have their own issues right they do and that is not kind of pushed to the side as female problems no they are accepted they are spoken about without any sort of stereotypes attached and it is frank discussions it is just so open and out there and it's so natural that you kind of feel you know what this is a character we can see we, you can place them right next to me out there in the open. And you know what? I would not look at this character and think, what? it's a character. I would think that is a person. That is a human being. I want, like, that is someone who is not there just for the sake of being there. That is such a perfect way to describe that. Like, I, I don't think I could add any more to that. I think that is literally the way that I would want to see it. Like, that's the way I would want to see female representation in films mm. going forward, uh, subtly. And you mentioned that there were some examples and like, um, I think the example that we're probably both thinking about is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. You know what, 100%. Like, you've got, um, was it Stephanie Beatrice and uh, Melissa Fermo like out there and Chelsea uh, Peretti too, when she was on there too. Like, oh. all really strong female characters for completely different reasons, right? And, like, that's what I loved about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Still do. Still love it. And I just think they have established themselves as such strong and powerful women, right, in their own regards and in their own way. Because strong can mean <laughs> so many different things for so many different females, right? Yeah. And it's like you've given each of them strength in different regards. So, like, you've got, um, you've got Rosa, the character in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, where she's more, like, of a stereotyped i'm going because i don't like the term tomboy but we're gonna go stereotyped mm. tomboy-esque vibe right that she has going on and like um i guess subverting the normal stereotype of like what a female is meant to like act like and be like and then you've yeah. got um then you've got gina right who is absolutely outspoken says what's on her mind she doesn't give a damn about anything that anyone yeah. says to her right um, in like that confidence right um, and then you've got um, Amy right who is more more reserved she does speak out for herself obviously when she needs to but she's more like career driven and like she wants to she wants to get promoted and promoted and be the best at what she's doing and stuff like that right and I think three completely different characters but so so much power and I love it yeah um, I think I definitely agree like Amy, I feel like, is such a modern woman in the sense that you can see yourself in her at times. And then you've got... They, they're so effortlessly placed within the community of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And it works beautifully. There's no kind of forcing of it. It is there. There is no re like remarks about it. It is what it is. I mean, yeah, I could, could not have said it better myself. Um, 
So I guess that was an example that I've already seen. Um, I guess one thing that I'm super looking forward to, right? And I've mentioned this literally in my other episode as well. I mentioned this in the, um, what was it? The ethnic representation episode, right? Mm-hmm. And oh, it's the film called Eternals, right? It's a Marvel film that's coming out. And oh my goodness, this is the way I want superhero films to take. Like, this is the superhero film that I want other superhero films to take a leaf out of the book, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether that made any sense, but you know what? I'm going with it. And, <laughs> and basically, Eternals, as I said, they've got such an ethnically diverse cast as mm-hmm. it is. But what they have done, which I think is a very smart move, Eternals are, all the Eternals uh, were mainly males, right? Like, if I look okay. back into comics, right, comic history, is that they had quite a lot of male uh, Eternals, and it didn't feel like there was a balance of the gender. So what Marvel decided to do was to cast some of the male characters as females, right? Which power move, bold move, could lead to yeah. controversy, but they did it because they recognised the fact that they do not have, and I said something similar about this in the ethnic representation episode yeah. with the same with the diversity, right? Mm-hmm. But they recognized the fact that there isn't enough representation of females in the Eternals, right? And in comic book in general, right? So they took it upon themselves to change it, whether people liked it or not, like whether the nerdy comic book people liked it or not. And it's such a powerful thing. And I'm really excited to see this film. Like I keep saying, it's coming out next year. I am so hyped for it it's giving me all sorts of excitement but um i guess that's something subtle that like mm-hmm. it's, su- it's such a big thing but it's when it's put in the context of the film it's subtle like people yeah. who are not eternals fans would not even notice right see i definitely think that's amazing because you're not taking something that exists visually and turning it into a female cast like imagine saying let's recast James Bond as a female like honestly I think that's just a bit forceful and really unnatural it's taking a concept that exists and then bringing it to life in female form as opposed to bringing in a representation already done by men and bringing female into like there's a massive difference there and I think it works really nicely yeah, I agree. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that wraps up basically us talking about female representation. It's been a wild ride. Yeah. I feel and like I there's so everyone... much more to say. Yeah, there is so, there is so much more to say. <laughs> but I really hope that people have like learned things from this episode mm-hmm. because I guess the, the main thing, reason why I do not just this podcast episode, but like other ones is to kind of give you an insight and education into the film industry and some of the problems, some of the good things, bad things, you know, all and everything in between, you know, like, and I really hope you've learned at least one thing this episode. That would make me happy. Right. So the final segment of the show, right? Infamous. Everybody's kind of got it now. It is the recommend or to the back end segment of the show. Woo! <laughs> I, I can tell you're very excited about this. I am. I Aww. spent quite a while thinking of what I wanted to say on this bit. <laughs> it's my favourite segment of the show, and I love it when guests are here as well, because they can share what they've been like watching at the moment. Um, nice. So, 
since you are the guest, I will let you go first. What have you got? Have you got a recommend? Have you got a to the back end? You know, I'm going to start off with my to the back end because, like, I weighed up loads of options here. Um, one is I'm going to refer to American Sniper, which is a Oscar nominated film. Um, and it's a biographical film. Um, it's, a, it's from 2014. I think the story is definitely worth a read. But I really, really hated the cine- cinematography of that film. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, at a point, they have a baby, which is so obviously fake. Like the hand lays limp and it's plastic. That really messed with me. And like, I think it can be done. It could be made better. And because of that, it really ruined the film for me. I just found it dragging instead of being something to celebrate. And I really think it's a really amazing story. It should have been, it should be known. Just it wasn't done well, which really, really saddened me almost. Um, and I, for that reason, I really don't understand why. I think this is just an Oscar problem. Why it was nominated for an Oscar film? Because I mean, <laughs> almost every episode we address the Oscars are having issues, <laughs> and like honestly, it's just become a theme. That should be another criteria of my episode: mm. is that we just um, talk about how the Oscars <laughs> are kind of kind of problematic. Literally, because like the story, it's literally nominated for the storyline, um, not for the movie, and. It fails the Bechdel test, if we're going to stay on theme. Um, Not surprised about that at all. Um, But yeah, I think if you do want to watch American Sniper, go read about the American Sniper. (laughs) (laughs) Do not watch it. (laughs) That was actually the most savage to the back you've ever had. I'm so sorry. (laughs) That's amazing. It's like, no, no, no. Like... If you want to watch The American Sniper, read it. <laughs> like, that is now forever I'm going to quote you on that. <laughs> oh, but yeah, you know, there were a couple of others that I could have gone to the back end, but I thought, you know what, this one sticks to me each time. So there's my two to the I back mean, end. You know what, I have not seen it yet, mm. but I intend on watching it because I have like this thing that I'm doing where I'm going to be watching every single Oscar-nominated film for Best Picture Mm -hmm. um, in the last decade. Like, I'm not going back, like, (laughs) 92 years. That's a lot, right? Um, But I will definitely do, like, um, the last decade, because I feel like, for me, that's kind of important, because I want to get my film knowledge up to scratch. Um, I guess to contrast with your to the back end, I'll start with my recommend. And mm-hmm. yes, folks, I do have a to the back end this week. It's finally, Whoa. finally planned. <laughs> that is crazy. I know it's it's such such a, <laughs> such a controversy, you know. But you know, it's all good. So my recommend this week is Knives Out, and um, oh my god, the things the police are coming for for the fact that I've just exposed that this was such an amazing film. Like, <laughs> I just keep hearing sirens. They're just coming for me. <laughs> I'm spilling too much tea today. Anyway. Oh, dang. Um, but basically, this film um, is a murder mystery um, directed by Rain Johnson, who did The Last Jedi. 
people have very different opinions about the last jedi personally i liked the last jedi but you know tea people hated it uh, i guess another controversial opinion that's just my life at the moment um and it's got it's got a stellar cast it's got chris hemsworth not hemsworth wrong chris oops it's got chris evans it's got daniel crane it's got the girl from 13 reasons why it's got one of the kids from it chapter two it's got um more people um act like older actors that i know the faces of but don't know the names <laughs> of. and oh my god when I say that this kind of basically redefined like the murder mystery genre, I have to say it did. Like my mom said it was predictable, but like, come on. I mean, I do think that it was a pretty amazing film. Like, um, I definitely think it should have gotten more nomination at the Oscars. That's like my own opinion, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I just think this is so enjoyable. Um, there are some parts I do admit that you could guess, but the overall like plot twist at the end, absolutely brilliant. And I think if you get a chance to watch Knives Out, please do, because if you're not going to watch it just for like the murder mystery content, watch it for A, Chris Evans, because yes, and um, B, just watch it because it's got such a stellar cast. And I think if you enjoy like watching actors just, like amazingly this is a good film to watch i think you've convinced me on that i think i like i might put it on tonight um because like the cast sounds awesome and like who doesn't love a murder mystery yeah. mm, and i think there's loads of subtleties i think knives out is a film i want to rewatch because now i know like the ending mm-hmm. i want to see what clues that they put in the film to kind of insinuate that because i know murder mysteries do that they do like leave little clues along the way to, to like suggest to um who actually committed the murder mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. i might keep my eyes peeled then yes definitely <laughs> um so do you have a recommend see i can't think of one that i'd really highly recommend um i'm watching last man standing at the moment which is slightly Ooh. old um and the reason why i'm watching that is it's basically about this dad who lives in a house with his three daughters and his wife i.e he is dominated by women around him now i think the whole point of this this is a slightly older uh, series it's hilarious but it is quite stereotypical like he makes a lot of stereotypical remarks he is a very american father um and like i think some of the stuff he says to like in that is quite controversial today especially but I feel like they've done that so that we can say wait that's so controversial because he's got his oldest daughter who has a child of her own um she's what's it called she's ready to hand it back to him like I'm thinking of this political episode when uh, Barack Obama was being re-elected and now what's his name um uh, Mike I think it is he's not a Barack Obama fan. He doesn't want to re-elect Barack Obama, but his daughter does. And, like, it's a massive contrast there, talking about why. Um, but it's quite funny. It's quips. There are loads of remarks about women made. But I think I just, I like it because it triggers me at points, but then I think, hold on a second, he's got three, four women, sorry, who are going to hand it right back to him. 
let's look at so I'm not sure it's not really heavily recommend it's just if you want to pass some time last month's standing is quite good is it available on any like oh, sites yes um last month's standing is definitely available on prime as is american sniper but like i said wikipedia um yeah last month's standing is on prime so. Yeah, um, just to let everyone know, Knives Out is not available on streaming sites. I rented it on Amazon, okay. um, but I do think it is worth a rent. Like, sure. just saying. Okay. Um, so now time for my to the back end. Ooh. Now, um, I wrote a review on this on Letterboxd. Once again, follow me on Letterboxd. <laughs> um, and I just, oh God, oh my dear. I was so confused about this film. <laughs> if you read my um, review on Letterboxd on this, mm-hmm. I am genuinely so confused and I still am, right? This film has all the criteria for it to be a great film for me, right? It's like a coming of age film about two smart kids who it's their last day of senior year in high school, whatever, mm-hmm. and they're about to go off to college and they're super smart, but they only ever focus on their education. And they realize they've been missing out on like having a life. Okay. And like it follows them basically on their last night of uh, of high school, just basically trying to have a life and like do basically everything they've missed out in one night. <laughs> and I think it's there are there are so this is a directorial directorial is I think the correct word uh, debut for Olivia Wilde. Okay. Um, and I think she has the makings of being a great director. Mm-hmm. Like some of the shots in this film are so cinematic and so beautiful. Like there's a pool scene, which I think is so gorgeously shot. And like, there are some like great, um, like uh, places that they actually went to go film. And like, for me, that really made me think, wow, I think this this woman is one to watch for like uh, directing. Okay. But then you come to the plot and it's kind of like, I could not get behind one of the main characters, uh, Molly. I could not. Like, I just, there was no bit of her that made me feel any sympathy or any, like, um, I guess, any caring and (laughs) held feelings towards her. The other one, don't remember her name, uh, but she she made me, I mean, I feel compelled by her, but I didn't even know her name. I mean, yeah, but... Like, she was a lot more of an interesting character, and I liked um, her struggles being told. But, I don't know, it felt messy at some points, like, but it was good. Like, I'm like, was it bad? Was it good? I'm really confused. Like, genuinely not sure how to feel about it. So, I guess uh, what I said in my Letterboxd review as well, I said, it just exists in a part of my brain. And... It's a Letterboxd. <laughs> and I just and I just don't know whether it's a good part of my brain or a bad part of my brain, but it's kind of leaning towards bad. So we're gonna put it to the back. Uh, end. Yeah. Okay. Those are the most. Those are the worst. Like you're like, uh, not sure how I feel. Bye bye. And I guess if you can't make a solid opinion about a film, it's more inclined to be towards the back end. Yeah, sounds about right. So we have now reached the end of the episode. Oh, it's quite sad. That happened too quickly. I know. It it did feel like it went by like super, super fast. Um, yeah. So for starters, let's say a big, big thank you, Krishna, for joining me on this episode. I think you've been absolutely amazing. You've given such amazing oh. opinions and I loved it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. 
it was really good it was really good maybe who knows we might be back for another episode i do think you will be back for another episode at some point oh i will be waiting then that's good i had too much fun having doing this (laughs) no i think i think it's gonna be super cool like um i hope people enjoy it as much as i enjoyed recording it with you today um so i guess all i have left to say is uh thank you guys for listening and if you want to uh, follow my podcast on Spotify or on uh, Google Podcast, there are a few of you. There's like one or two of you that listen on Google Podcast. I recognize you. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. Like, I see you. Right. Um, so follow the podcast on there or follow it on Spotify. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give it a subscribe. And you know what? While you're, you're doing the subscribe thing, you know, why don't you just scroll down and give it a little bit of a rating, you know, five stars, Bye. you know love that it'd be very cool you know (laughs) um and write down a comment about what you love about the podcast you know that would make my day honestly and if you have any ideas or um for like episode ideas or you have any recommender to the back ends that you want me to like maybe watch and like talk about um definitely hit me up by um dming me on or dming me or doing a comment on my instagram posts um at deets with dita or you can um, tweet at me, like directly at um, Deets with Dita again uh, on Twitter. And yeah, I will be sure to have a look if you give it give it a little thing. And also, if you just, just want to tell me like what you think of the podcast episodes, like I'm very, very, it encourages me a lot to hear like all of your nice words about podcasts. Like I have had so many people just DMing me being like, hey, I think your opinions are super cool and I really like your podcast and it really makes my day. So keep doing oh. that. Boost my self-esteem. Boost my <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I mean, no. definitely do that, you guys. This is, she's so sweet, you guys. Like, it's really lovely. Oh, Krishna. <laughs> oh, but um, yeah, I guess, do I have anything else to say? I guess um, I'm thankful for everyone who has been supporting the podcast so far. You guys have been amazing. Krishna as well, like you've been amazing cheering me on for my podcast and like all of my other friends too. And even people who aren't my friends or just know me, like you guys have been actively listening and supporting and it really makes my day. So thank you again. Hi everyone, uh, editor Nandita here. Um, I always forget to mention uh, what the next episode of the podcast is going to be. So this is me telling you that next week is going to I'm going to be debuting a new segment of my show, um, podcast show, whatever you want to call it, um, and it will be a uh, book versus film. Um, I won't tell you what book it is, uh, book slash film it is yet, uh, but I'm super excited about it and I have some really interesting opinions. So stay tuned for that. And I guess, do you have anything else to add, Krishna? Just do what she says. Let's keep <laughs> this podcast going. <laughs> yes, I want to keep it going. I, I'm completely enjoying doing this. Nice. So I guess that's it. So thank you guys so much for listening. And I will see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.